So Lord Jesus, we thank you and we love you. And we praise this morning, Lord, as we read through Deuteronomy, as we look at what Moses has to say to us about the significance of, of you and the significance of the message of the gospel and how we should put it in our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would speak to each one of us how we need to be spoken to. And Lord, give me the words to speak. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but as a kid, um, I had this idea of my mom that, you know, she could do no wrong in my eyes as a little one. I remember if my stuffed animal had a hurt, I would take my stuffed animal to her. She would take care of it. And I remember as a young kid, my mom knew everything. I trusted her no matter what the circumstance was. If I got in a fight with a kid in elementary school, I'm going to tell my mom. And mom would make everything okay. And then there came this great awakening around middle school in me where I started to not think my mom was as cool. You know, she started saying some things, and as she said these things, I'm thinking, Mom, you really don't know what you're talking about. And, and so there was this awakening in my mind that in, in around 7th or 8th grade, I discovered this thing called girls, this new concept called girls. And so as I discovered girls, my mom started to become icky to me. And I started putting her out here. And then I went into high school, and then I came to the quick realization, and some of you guys know what I'm talking about because you have been there, is I know everything. Man, I must be like some type of weird prodigy because for some reason I've got all of life seemingly figured out. All of my friends come to me for advice, and I give them advice, and everything works out great. And so when I was in high school, my mom kind of turned into this really just obnoxious like naysayer, like, like, Jamie, you should wear a hockey mask when you play hockey. Stuff like that. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Faith was my mom's name. And then I moved away from home and went to college. And it was, you know, my mom kind of, to be very honest, just in my mind, she became stupid. Just, just being confessional here. And maybe some of you are there and you're thinking that way about your parents. But as I grew and, and went to college and kind of went away, every year that I was away, something happened to my mom. I was the one getting an education, but I swear, every time I came home with a problem or an issue, my mom just got smarter. And she started saying things to me, and, and they made sense. And when she said stuff to me, I swear that maybe she had said it before, but for some reason now it was making sense. And as I moved to getting engaged and becoming a, you know, a man and getting a job and getting married, it's like my mother became the smartest person on the face of the planet. Did anybody have that experience? where you went through these stages of life as a kid, as a teen, as a young adult, as this adult, to where for some reason in these middle years that we call childhood, we get this opinion that sometimes our parents just don't know anything. Now, if you're a kid in here this morning, listen to me. Your parents love you. There's going to be times they're going to say stuff to you that, that doesn't make absolutely any sense at all. That you're going to think, what are you talking about? Those people don't mean to hurt me. That, that, that doesn't want to happen. And you're going to think they're completely wrong and that they're just being judgmental and that they're just being harsh and they're just being mean. Listen to me, guys. I've been there, and I'm going to tell you right now, that's not always the case. The reality is, is our parents have been places where we're going, and they don't want to see us make the same mistakes that they made. Right, parents? You can clap for that. That's okay. And so I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Teens, your parents love you. 
Because guess what, teens? Your parents used to be you. And now they're in their mind going, I wish I had listened to my mother. I wish I had listened to my father. Amen? Amen. How many of your parents got more intelligent as life went on? Here's the reality of it. Nothing changed. We changed. We changed. Because we live in a society that, that tries to teach us values. We live in a society that tries to teach us a worldview. But the reality of it is, is there's only one worldview. There's only one reality that we need to hear about, and that is of God. Of God. Listen to me, parents. Listen to me, grandparents. Listen to me, godparents, aunts, uncles, people who have kids in their neighborhood that you look after. Society does not care about your children. The government does not care about your children. You and you alone have been ordained by God and have been given the gift of God of children, and nobody will ever take care of or love your child the way that you're supposed to take care of and love your child. As much as as a youth pastor, I want to say we are here as a church to teach, to come alongside of you as a family and teach the concepts of God. I am not responsible for educating your child, hear my heart, on the things of God. You are. You as a family are responsible for teaching your children about life. Amen? About six months ago, in the month of April, there was a famous newscaster and and, and college professor that actually had the goal to come out with with this whole campaign called the Lean Forward Campaign. And they were making statements. You know, I do believe it takes a community to raise children. But I'm going to tell you right now, my children do not belong to any community other than the community of my house. No one will care for my little Beckaboo the way that I do. No other man will look after her purity, her innocence, the way that I do. And I have a responsibility as a, as a father to step in for her. There was this movement and this campaign that, that we should fund this education in a different way and because the reality of it is, is this, this, this group of people were saying that your children don't just belong to you. In fact, that's been a problem with our society. They were saying that your children, in fact, belong to the community. They belong to the government. They belong to the state. No, they don't. And until the state comes and beats down my door, they're my children. I love them. I take care of them. I want to see what's best for them. And that is not just the book of Kendrew speaking. That is the word of God speaking from the very chapter and from the very verses that we read today. We live in a country where all too often we set aside our responsibilities to different organizations, to different places, and then we get frustrated when our kids aren't being brought up in the ways of the Lord or they're turning from God. The question I would ask you this morning, are you teaching the gospel in your home? Are you teaching the word of God to your children? The youth ministry and the children's ministry in this church, we are here to be an ally for you in that. But that responsibility is on you. Let me read to you from the book of Deuteronomy. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. It's found in Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 gives us a very clear definition of what the role of the mother and father, what the role of the grandparents, what the role of the aunt and uncle, what the role of everybody is. This is a great passage because last week we actually talked about honoring thy mother and father, and some of you really dig that, huh? You went home and reminded your children that they were supposed to honor you. (laughs) But one of the things we talked about is when we honor our mother and father, part of that is obedience, but part of that is also being an honorable mother and being an honorable father, right? 
And so this morning we see Moses in this moment where he's talking to the people of Israel. He's saying, listen, God just gave us these commands. These ten commands, these ten commandments. And, and, the, and the one we focused on last week was the fifth commandment. And I'm going to tell you right now, as a kid, I was not a fifth commandment kind of guy. And so Moses is standing there and the people are beginning to, to go on this journey. And, and, and God literally talks to Moses and says, this is what I want you to convey to the people. These things are significant for survival. And this is what he reads. This is what he says in in chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands and decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Now, do you remember, there was a promise that came with that fifth commandment. Do you remember what it was? It was, if, if honor your mother and father so that you will enjoy a long life. Because remember, students and children, your parents have been there before. They're going to help you survive longer because they're taking the lumps and bruises for you. And so in this passage of Scripture, we're commanded to God to teach our children. And not just to teach our children, but we're commanded to God to teach our children's children. And so I love the redundancy in this because there's a very serious tone in which Moses is taken with how they're to teach the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing. I was trying to explain it to my son last night. Every, every Saturday night he'll come in and he'll say, Daddy, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And, and, and I try to talk to him about it and then he loses attention and quickly goes away. But he said to me last night, he's like, Dad, why am I supposed to be afraid of God? And I went, well, to be honest with you, Brandon, it's like a respect more so than a fear kind of like, you know, the way you and I interact. And so we began to talk about how, how we as, as Christians, we're supposed to respect the Lord and not just, you know, think about it when, when a decision comes down the road, we think, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't do that or maybe we should do this, maybe we should help with this. But I told Brandon, it's something we want to we talk about. It's something we want to just have it become an instinct to fear and to respect God. I think of the martial artist who have you, I mean, have you ever seen the Karate Kid or anybody like at this MMA fighting or anything like that? These guys practice, practice, and practice because could you imagine getting into a ring with one of these guys and someone goes to throw a punch at you and you go, wait a second, hold on, I need to look at the instruction book to see how I'm supposed to block you. And then you come back and you go, okay, and you throw your hands up. By that time, you've already been pinned. But the reality of what they're saying here is, is, is we, need to, we need to read these things, we need to study these things in such a way that when the martial artist trains and practices and someone throws a punch at him, he doesn't think about it. It becomes an instinct. It becomes a reaction that, that isn't thought about. It's just who he is. And, and what Moses is telling us in this passage and telling the people of Israel, he says, you've got to become these people. You need to, to be diligent about teaching the generations and passing the legacy of the gospel on, not so that it's something you have to think about, but it's something that's just ingrained in you and it's part of you and it's a reaction to react in the way of the Lord. Is this making sense? So the mother and father have a responsibility, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the godparents, you have a responsibility to teach the gospel He goes on to say this, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Now we come to verse 4. Verse 4 is, to the Israelite, is it would be quickly recognized as a statement of faith. Verse 4 to to the Jewish nation is is referred to as the Shema. It's the beginning of, of this prayer set where they take serious 
uh, God. They take serious the teaching of God, and it starts with this. It says, Hear, O Israel, in in verse 4, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Making the statement that there is only one God. He is not a God that shares power. There is no other gods before him. He is the only God. Verse 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. When it comes to your heart, your soul, and your strength, there's nothing else left to love him with. You are to love God with everything. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. It says impress them on your children. So parents and adults, listen to me. You have a responsibility because these kids are always looking. You're always teaching whether you want to be or not. And so you have a challenge from God to be living in accordance to his will. You have a challenge by God to be walking in a Christ-like way. For those of us that took the pledge that we're going to dedicate ourselves to really coming alongside these, these families that beautifully baptized and dedicated their children, you just took an oath before God to live upright as a believer following Christ. Because whether it be Ezekiel or whoever, You took an oath before God to live upright because you're going to be teaching him one way or another. Whether it's the good things in our life, whether it's the bad things in our life, we are teaching our children and we are to put God in our hearts. So parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, everybody, you are an educator. And I'm going to ask you, how is your faith? Are you studying the word of God? Are you talking about the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? Do you understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of hope? That each one of us was designed by God and sin then entered the world and broke each and every one of us? And that when sin broke us, we began to live in ways that were different than what God had desired for us. We began to indulge in the the pleasures of sinful nature and and man and, and we really were just, we were living in separation from God. And so God, loving us, saw us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to pay the bill. You follow what I'm saying? He sent Jesus to earth to pay the bill for your sins so that there would not be that separation between you and God. That those sins, those mess-ups, those things you struggle with, that you could give those to God, that you could give those to Christ. And he went willing to lead to a cross where he was crucified because there had to be a penalty, there had to be a payment for sin. And so Christ willingly went to the cross and died on that cross so that your sins, so that my sins could be forgiven. Do you understand that? And when Christ did that, he didn't just die on the cross and forget about us, but he died on the cross. And on the third day, he rose again. And he sits at heaven at the right hand of God right now, preparing a party for you and for me. And all he says is, I want you to confess me as your Lord and Savior and follow me. That's the message of the gospel. So many people look at church and they say it's just a place where there's all these do's and don'ts, but the reality of it is the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most freeing thing you can ever experience. It is liberating from the, from the guilt. It is liberating from the garbage that you go through. And it's a process and it's a walk. But that, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, that is what we're to be handing down to our children. And if we're not handing that gospel message down to our children, the world will give them something else to hand down. 
whether it be buy more stuff, whether it be you need to do this, whether it be self-image or sex or whatever, the world will give something for our kids to hand down. Are you following what I'm saying? You are called by God to be the great educator in your family. You are called by God to love your family enough to have those fights with your teen, to have those fights with your son, with your daughter. Being a parent can be very hard. I've, I worked in youth ministry for a very long time and, and having some conversations this week, it can be very discouraging because we work in a business where we're all about seed planting. Youth ministry is a beautiful thing, but the reality of it is, is we share the gospel with these kids and we come alongside of families and we pray that we're, you know, helping to raise these kids in the way of Christ, but, but a lot of them will walk away from their faith for a period of time. And the reality of it is, is we're planting seeds in these kids that we may never see the harvest. And, and it's discouraging, isn't it? And I'm going to tell you right now, you as parents are in that boat where God has called you and challenged you to be parents who live a gospel life. He, he has commanded you to teach the word of God to your loved one. And I'm going to tell you what, some of your kids have not followed, right? Some of your kids have strayed away. Let me, read, let me keep reading here, and then I want to share another verse with you. Verse 5 says, These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Do you think he's being redundant? Do you think he's purposely making a statement here that uh, we need to constantly be in conversation about God? We need to constantly be in conversation about the things of Christ? Do you think it's enough to have one conversation with your kid about substance abuse? Do you think it's enough to have one conversation with your kid about the birds and the bees? I'm going to tell you as a former kid, it's not. <laughs> repetition, repetition, repetition is so important. And Moses is telling us right now in, in this whole Shema prayer that he's giving us the command that we're to, when we sit down, when we wake up, when we walk, when we talk, when we're sleeping, when we're swimming, whatever we're doing, we're to constantly be pointing our children back to the gospel message. He continues on by saying this. He says, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. As they were leaving, he's saying, write these things down. Write these commandments down. Constantly have them in front of your kids. Something we do with youth group kids in, in recent past is we've had them put uh, notes on the mirror in the morning so that when they see them, it'll remind them of Scripture. I don't think God takes lightly this. He desires for us to constantly be in communication with our children. He desires for us to constantly be talking to them about the gospel because the reality of it is, is each one of us is going to need to hear the gospel on an average of about seven times before it even begins to sink in. That's just like one of these statistical average things. Now, could God nail you on the first one? Absolutely. God could do whatever he wants because it has nothing to do with what we do, but it has everything to do with just relying on him. We are commanded by God to rely and to teach and to teach and to teach and to teach. You know, there's a commercial that's on TV right now where the little girl is sitting at the dinner table with her brother, her mother, and her father. It's a car commercial. And you see this little girl, and all of a sudden she has this real masculine voice. And she's like mouthing these words, and it's clearly a man speaking. 
but he's talking about the deal that he got on his car. Has anybody seen this commercial? See, wouldn't it be awesome if you're preaching the gospel to somebody and your kid's sitting over in the corner mouthing it because he's heard it so many times that it's just there? That's a little bit of a ridiculous analogy, but that's where we're to go. And students and kids in this room, if your parents say the same things over to you over and over and over again, maybe you should listen. Because the reality of it is, is they love you more than you'll ever know. Maybe when you have your kids, you'll understand a little more. But your parents love you, and they want you to know the things of God. As I was saying earlier, sometimes we teach these things. Sometimes we do everything the Word says. But yet, the kids wander. As a youth pastor, I've seen this over and over again, where I have these conversations with parents five years down the road from when their kid graduated high school, and they seem like their their kid is just wandering from God. And they're heartbroken, and they're weeping, and they say, what did I do wrong? Why am I a bad parent? And, And I look at them, and I say, you're not a bad parent. You're doing exactly what God told you to do. God told us to be faithful in teaching and living the gospel. Whether your child accepts that or not is not your responsibility. It's on that child. But we do have a promise from God, and it's found in Proverbs 22.6. And some of you know this because you're living it. It says this, Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. We have a promise from God that whether our kid is straying now, or maybe you're that kid straying now, We have a promise from God that if if we do what we're told, if we are obedient to Scripture, and we teach that gospel message, and we hand that legacy down to our loved ones, you may never see it, but I promise you this, one day they will return to it. And God bless those of you that get to see that moment, and God bless you that don't. But we have to hold on to that faith We have to hold on to that promise that God gave us that we're to be overzealous when it comes to teaching the gospel. Now, we shouldn't beat our kid over the head with the Bible, (laughs) but we need to be teaching them the commandments. They need to be learning and understanding what they believe and why they believe it. And that, we as a church are here to come alongside you, but it is your responsibility as a family to love your children in that way. Can I get an amen from anybody on that? We've been talking about the ideal family for the past several weeks. And the reality of it is, is you're all messed up. So am I. Amen. We're all messed up. And you want to know the truth of the matter? That's actually the ideal family. Because God meets us where we're at. God wants us where we're at. He loves you as much now as he's ever going to love you. He just desires for you to let go of the sin, to let go of the things and to follow him and pursue him and love him. Your family may have issues. You may have communication problems. There may be all kinds of things going on in your family. But I want to challenge you this morning to look at your relationship with God. Look at your relationship with God. And I'll ask this question. Is it where it needs to be? Because the ideal family is a messed up family that just needs Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for that promise, Lord, that one day those children will return to it. I think of my poor mother and the goodness that my brother and I put her through. I thank you for the arguments, the fights that we had, the temper tantrums that 
I threw that she just wouldn't accept, Lord, and she drugged me to church. I thank you for being grounded when I was out of line. I can think there's so many of us in this room right now who are thinking that same thing. We're so thankful for those parents that, um, that just didn't quit on us, God. We pray for the grandparents. We pray for, for the aunts, the uncles. Help us, God, to live alongside of one another in obedience to you. And give us the strength to be the parents and the loved ones that we need to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.